this is what I tell investors. You're not going to get extra money for adding crown molding. <laughs> it's just not. So why put crown molding on the, you know, why do it? It's no, it's no point. You're not getting anything extra. You're not, you're not going to be able to charge an extra $50 a month because yeah. of it. the rent is the rent. And this is what people can afford to pay. It's not what they're willing to pay. See in other areas, Oh wow, this house looks really nice. You know, it has this, it has that. Okay, I can afford more. I'm willing to pay more for to have this luxury in the house that I live in. Yeah. But in the hood, it doesn't work that way. I can afford six hundred dollars a month. I don't care what's in the house. You can have marble floors and granite countertops and a jet jacuzzi tub in the bathroom. It doesn't matter. I can pay six hundred dollars a month. This episode of the Tide Capital Millionaire Podcast is brought to you by Black America Inc., a trillion dollar nation by A.R. Morton. Black America Inc. is a piece of literature that details and illustrates the socioeconomic solutions that black Americans can implement in their communities today. Whether it be being captains of our own industries, creating our own political parties, or just learning how to strengthen our overall health and wealth, Black America Inc. is what black Americans and Americans in general need to get to the next level in 2017 and beyond. For too many years, we have been talking about the problems and not the solutions. For too many years, we have been pointing fingers at each other without talking about the solutions. This is why Black America Inc. is important. If you're ready to build yourself up and rebuild your community, head on over to Amazon.com and order your copy of Black America Inc., a trillion dollar nation. My name is Andre C. Hatchet, a.k.a. Mr. Own or Be Owned, and I'm encouraging everybody listening to this podcast to pick up my new book, Own or Be Owned, The Black Man's Guide to Wealth Creation in America on Amazon.com. If you're a black man, if you need guidance, inspiration, a path, a path to follow, to build wealth in this country, pick it up. Own or Be Owned, The Black Man's Guide to Wealth Creation in America. Welcome to the Tide Capital Millionaire Podcast with your host, Charles Oglesby III, a.k.a. Tide Millionaire. The Tide Capital Millionaire Podcast. This is episode number 50. Now, my name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire, the founder and the director of the Tide Capital Investment Club. We have over 185 members. Also, the founder of Tide Acquisitions, our crowdfunded real estate firm, um, and Todd Ventures, which is doing some great stuff with HBCUs, getting some good meetings, making some great contacts. I'm doing some great stuff on that level. Thank you all for tuning in. The purpose of this show is to share the stories of successful African-American investors and business owners so that people can see that business and investing are the keys to financial success and generational wealth. With us today, we have Pocky. I'm not sure your last name. Um, I know you guys are doing some great stuff. He is the owner, I'm presuming, of Hood Estates. They're doing some big things in Jacksonville. I mean, I think you can give yourself a better introduction than me. So, I mean, can you kind of tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, what you guys are doing? Okay, cool, cool, definitely. Well, I, first off, I appreciate you uh, having me on and uh, using this platform to uh, get out there uh, what's needed in our community. So I definitely appreciate that. My name is Pocky, Pocky Judson, and I am one part of Hood Estates. Uh, Hood Estates is actually mainly me and my wife, but we also have my cousins, my, my son, my daughter. So it's like a family affair of all of us uh, working together. And... Um, just to give a little background on myself, I started doing real estate back in uh, 2001, 2002, around that time. I was doing uh, flipping properties in Atlanta and, you know, making a lot of money like a lot of people were back then. And I got caught up in that uh, <laughs> that real estate drought that came across and ended up losing it all to uh, even becoming homeless. And, um, you know, got through that and, and, and bounced back. and. You know, here we are now, uh, a few years back, decided to start buying properties in the hood. One one reasons behind that was because uh, we were looking for investment properties and wanting to get the best passive income for the, you know, the, the dollar amount that we're putting out there. And we started to look and saw a lot of cheap properties in the hood. And then we also started to look and notice that, you know, most of the properties that were owned in the hood were not owned by us as, as far as our people. And, you know, realizing that our dollar wasn't really circulating in our community, that we needed to do something about that and, and start to try to make a change, even if it was just us. Uh, this is before, you know, Hood Estates itself was was brought about. But um, we started doing that and we came up with this, this name. We was like, well, listen, we buy properties in the hood and we, you know, it's real estate, but it's done in the hood. So we're gonna call it Hood Estates. And that's what, uh, you know, brought on the name Hood Estates. And 
we basically started the Instagram page and it really just blew up out of nowhere. Uh, but I think a lot of people connect with us because of, you know, giving back to the community. And not only that, us being young black entrepreneurs and, you know, we, we have the real estate company, we have our construction company, we have the property management company. So we, you know, we have all these things that are in-house. But again, um, our thing is to inspire and motivate uh, people you know, to be able to do this in their community, not just in Jacksonville where we're currently located and doing this, but all around America and everywhere to be able to go into the hoods and, and buy back these blocks, you know, and, and, and make a change, you know, from within. And that's our whole thing with Hood Estates and that's what we, we're about pretty much overall. Ooh. That's really cool because um, this is a conversation that I've seen on a lot of different groups, a lot of people, you go on, certain communities don't really really realize the value of investing in urban communities. And I think that new investors, because of the price uh, price points, they see that it's attractive. They see they can buy something, potentially rent it out. How did you guys get started investing in the hood and what did those first deals look like? To rewind back a little bit, what, what brought us to Jacksonville was actually the purchase of a hotel. We brought a 170 unit hotel with, uh, we call them capital partners, which are people that have put up the money and, you know, be your partner. So we did you that. Guys, I think that uh, you guys actually like bought the property and then figured out how to get the money afterwards, right? It, exactly. It's one of those type of things we, uh, you know, and we do that sometimes, we, you know, find a deal and get the money after you find the deal. Because a lot of times, I know they said, and it sounds cliche, but if you find a good deal, you'll find the money, you know, but uh Definitely, that's sort of how that went about. And uh, while we were in Jacksonville running this hotel, the biggest, I think, moment was passive income. Because what happened to us back in Georgia when we were flipping years prior, we were flipping fools. And and I tell people, it's still considered earned income. I don't care how much money you're making from a flip, whether it's $5,000 or $50,000, it's still considered earned income. If you stop flipping, you stop making money. And we were flipping and you know, again, I tell people all the time, I won't even say living above our means because we were making money, but we weren't saving money the proper way. You know, we were living, we were making 60, 70 grand a month. We were living off of 60, 70 grand a month, you know, and when it all stopped, we didn't have any money. So our biggest thing was how do we get passive income? Because we knew that we were going to be selling this hotel at some point. Um, we knew it wasn't a long-term play. So once we finished with this hotel, what do we do? We, we don't want to now have to go get jobs. We don't have to want to have to go work for anyone. So we need to develop passive income that can take care of us and take us to financial independence and eventually financial freedom. So those first deals, again, the first thing was, what is our number? And I tell people, you know, that's the first question. What's your, your financial independent number? We call it financial independent goals, uh, FIG, you know. What number do I need that, you know, obviously everybody wants the most, but what's the minimum amount of number I need that can take care of my bills passively? So whether that number is $3,000 a month, $5,000 a month, everybody, you know, number's different. But in our case, I believe at the time, it was a little over $3,000, going close to 4,000. It was like, well, how many properties, what, what can we do to get this? And at the time, we realized that, you know, buying these properties in the hood, the rent, I had knew a guy at the time had bought a property in another area that spent $150,000 on it and he was getting $1,000 a month in rent. And I started to notice, wait a minute, the house in the hood, you know, you can, at the time, you can be all in at 10, 15,000 and get $500 a month. So I'm like, wait a minute, I could be in 30 to 40,000 and get the same $1,000 a month that he's getting being in 150,000. Now, obviously, appreciation is a whole nother story, but we were not looking for appreciation. We were looking strictly for passive income. So to answer the question, what got us in those first deals, we started looking for these properties. And to be honest, the first two deals we did, we bought the houses for $2,000 each, which was like at the time, especially coming from Miami, we had been in Jacksonville for, you know, uh, some time, about a year, I think at that time but still not recognizing that you could find properties that cheap because even in the hoods in Miami, you know, it was, you wouldn't find nothing like that. Yeah. So the first two properties we purchased were $2,000 each. Very cool. I wanted, I definitely want to talk about those, those properties, but I also want to talk about that hotel. Okay. Um, how much did you guys pay for the hotel? And then how much did you guys pay to um, reposition that hotel? 
actually the funny thing is again we never we didn't even ex- we we got it at an auction and we buy a lot of stuff through auctions uh tax deed auctions other auctions we got it at an auction and i remember we found a deal and i remember finding the investor which was actually turned into the capital partner and saying hey this is the deal it's probably going to go up to a million dollars you know but we're not prepared we only prepared you know we had them prepared to pay about 700,000 well, lo and behold, we end up winning it for five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So that was a shocker to us. So much of a shocker that you know we didn't even have a plan in place to, of what to do. You know, because we didn't. Ex- I'm be honest, we didn't expect to win. We just thought, okay, we're coming. We're just going to be bystanders here, but we gotta, you know, we gotta throw our hat in the race to be in it. You know, and we won it for five fifty. And um, you know, I remember the investor at the time saying, well, and originally we were thinking about just flipping it, like, hey, let's just flip it. And we both looked at each other and said, well, this is an opportunity to to grow this and, and, and you know, take it to another level. Because at the time, there were only 23 units operational out of the total of 170 units, wow. 170 unit building. And there was only 23 units being operational. So we knew that it was like a value add type of uh, play. We knew we were gonna have to come in and do some things, but uh, the sort of the, the funny thing was that the investor wasn't really looking to put in any more money, which was sort of crazy because, and this is the thing I tell people, when you're dealing with investors and capital partners, you know, especially the ones that's putting up all the money, you're at mercy to whatever they wanna do because at the end of the day, it's their money. Even though you're a partner, but they are the majority because it's, you know, they're putting in the money. So we end up bootstrapping it. I mean, from whatever came in in the door, we never put in another dime out of our pockets. He, the investor never put in another dime out of his pocket to improve things. We literally bootstrapped it from 23 units all the way to 125 units uh, when we sold it. So we put up, essentially we put up about 100 units strictly from money that was coming in the door and we were still able to you know obviously pay bills expenses and make a profit for the investor so uh we just got on the grind and i mean we 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 did it like (laughs) from month to month we you know took something from this room and put it there and 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 maybe bought this and then after we sold this amount of rooms and because we we just restructured the whole thing we took it from a nightly hotel to like an extended stay it was like all only weeklies and monthly so it was almost us running a hotel like an apartment building but with hotel rules so we we didn't have to deal with evictions and things like that so i mean it was a roller coaster ride because even this and i'll say this this hotel was also technically in the hood yeah you know it wasn't it wasn't like the hilton uh on the beach or a beach resort or something like that this was a a, you know a, a local mom and pop type of hotel uh off the expressway but in you know in an area that's not necessarily a, a good area uh but again it was an opportunity and um you know we made the best of that opportunity that's yeah. cool i think that what i take from that is a lot of times the deal can pay for the deal right so you get in the right. door and they use the income from that property to improve the property. So a lot of people right. think they have to come up with all the money on their own before they right. buy the deal. And so right. it's like you, you get in the door and then you use that income to improve things as you go. And if you really want, you can delay things. And right. so not improve everything right when you get in there. You might let yourself get three months worth of reserves set up and then right. you going all in. Right, so right, I think that, right. I mean, with that knowledge, a lot of people can do more than they think they can do. Exactly. Exactly. I, I say that a lot uh, to a lot of, uh, you know, we don't call them followers. We call them family, all of our people in Hood Estates. But I talk about it a lot to our Hood Estates family. And I say a lot of times that holds us back because we don't have it all figured out. Now, granted, I'm not saying you go into something with no plan, no no strategy like, oh, and you hope it's going to work. But you, what happens in this particular case, we knew we had an offer uh, when we bought it at 550. We had an offer within the first three days after we bought it for 750. I think we even got one up to 800. So knowing the value there, it, it helped us go in and say, okay, we'll figure this out because at worst case, we can just flip it. If, if like, if we, we can't figure this out in the next month or two or three months or six months that we can't figure out how we're gonna get this working, how we're gonna renovate these rooms, what we need to do and it's just not working, okay we can go back to you know plan b which is uh just go ahead and just put it up for sale and flip it because we knew people wanted it for 750 800 so 
you know, that's the thing I tell people all the time. Don't allow that to hold you back. Even even with investors that we work with, new investors we work with now, especially in this real estate market that right now is not going down. It's still going up. So, you know, it's best to get in, get the property. And as long as you know your cost, like I'm not saying go buy a property and then you don't have the money to rehab and you realize once you figure it out, oh, it's going to cost me 40 grand to rehab when you didn't know. No, I'm saying research it, know your costs, get the cost for the rehab and it all fits in and it makes it makes dollars and it makes sense. If you don't have the money to rehab, go ahead, get the property and work on getting the money to rehab. But you need to know those costs going in. So that's definitely uh, what we talk about and we, we, we really preach a lot of. Awesome. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about those $2,000 homes. Okay. Um, okay. When you bought those for 2000 one of the things that I'm always concerned with and hopefully you can help me understand this better is when you buy a property mm-hmm. and you go into a neighborhood and there's other homes that aren't necessarily in the best condition either. Mm-hmm. And so how do you know if you're buying this property in the hood Mm-hmm. You're going to put money into rehab in that property that it's still going to bring a tenant, still going to be a good investment, still going to be worth you putting that extra money into the rehab because I mean, you can still find properties at auction for inexpensive. So how do you do that successfully? How do you go in and buy something inexpensive, improve it? And even though the neighborhood's not necessarily that, that great. Right. Well, here's the thing. This is one thing I tell everybody. Uh, I talked to a few investors as well out of California and some other people in. It's one of those things. I tell this, I mean, this might sound crazy, but everybody needs somewhere to live in every demographic, in every economical financial situation from the person that can only afford $400 a month to the person that can afford $5,000 a month, all in between. So from that standpoint, you know, they used to say that old thing, if if you build it, they'll come. Well, what I've learned is if you rehab a property, you'll rent it out. You know, we went into this one particular neighborhood and we actually changed it. Like when we first started buying there, people were paying only $350, $400 a month for rent because there was a lot of slumlording going on. It just, uh, it was bad. And we came in and we brought a different feel. We, we started to rehab the properties. People that that's in the neighborhood, that's walking by, driving by, riding on the bicycle, whatever they're doing, you know, hey, wow, you know, can I take a peek inside? And yeah, we, you know, we'll let them peek in. Uh, wow, can you know? Can I get a number? I, I, I'm really interested in this because you guys are the only properties in this area that has new kitchens, new bathrooms. You know, we were finding that it was uh, landlords that were renting out the properties. They didn't paint it. They, I mean, they didn't do anything. They just had somebody maybe come in and clean it and and go from there. So, I believe what we were doing with the properties and we have a motto on our construction side it's called clean safe and functional that's our rehab motto in the hood we make sure it's clean we make sure it's safe and we make sure it's functional but you'll be surprised how long you know a fresh coat of paint a new carpet or, or you know tile on the floor uh here we go again the kitchens like we're putting in new cabinets of course they're not you know hampton bay you know or whatever the most expensive cabinets are but they're new so you know these are cheap inexpensive cabinets but they're new and it gives a a a fresh look even with the bathrooms we'll go and get that that uh tub kit that you get from home depot that's like a three-piece it's all plastic but you pop it in but it gives it gives a good look you know and um so these are the things we're doing and going to the answer to the question it made it a lot easier to rent out these properties we we went in with that same question like are we going to be able to rent this out and when we did the first one i think with those people coming by and walking by and riding by really made the difference and we saw like okay if we build this like i say they'll come if we if we renovate this you'll find people to rent out and we were able to raise the rents in that area from 350 to 400 to now for those same units we're getting 550 and then when so, you raise the rent you get better tenants which improves exactly. the neighborhood exactly and i think too don't get me wrong i mean there's a stigma with the hood and the hood is the hood i mean you know a lot of us either was born raised there or half family there everybody in the hood ain't bad everybody in the hood ain't doing bad things everybody and a lot of people even that are doing some of those things are it's for them it's a, a, a sense of survival but yeah you know we find ourselves for instance we have some of the, the best tenants we have a lot of older people who uh to be honest their income won't allow them to rent anywhere else because they're getting 750 a month ssi and you know you've been in the doing the game you know how it is most places want you to make three times the rent well let's be honest 750 dollars a month is not even two times the rent so 
they, you know, it's hard for them to find places, but we rent to these people. And guess what? These people are on time every month with their rent. Uh, they take care of their places. Um, you know, we've been able to help families like that, older people, even even families. So, and don't get me wrong, it does come with some people who, I won't even say take advantage, but what we realize a lot of people have not been taught financial literacy and knowing how to handle their finances. So we found ourselves, even with some tenants, we work out agreements where they pay rent according to the way they get paid. We don't necessarily come in and say, you got to pay between the first and the fifth because a lot of people don't know how to take a portion of last check, hold it, and then this first check they're getting in the first of the month and put that together and say pay the rent. They're usually spending that money from la- from the end of the last month because they just wasn't taught how to budget. So we say, instead of us trying to fit you into what is known as the norm of how you're supposed to pay rent, we're gonna come to you. We're gonna meet you where you are. Yeah. You know, instead of getting you to come to us, we're going to meet you where you are. So to meet you where you are, we're, we're basically saying if you get paid, if the rent is six hundred dollars a month and you get paid every week, guess what? You pay one hundred and fifty dollars a week. If the rents, you know, same thing, six hundred dollars a month, you get paid every two weeks. You know, you could pay three hundred dollars every two weeks and somebody will be here every two weeks on when you get paid Friday. OK, somebody will be here Friday afternoon, evening at six o'clock to collect that three hundred dollars. And it works. Don't get me wrong. We do have some times where we have to evict or get somebody out. But, you know, we do our best to work with the tenants and we try not to take anything personal because I talked to a tenant and they didn't have their money for their rent. You know, I was the beginning of this month or something. Their excuse was, oh, I bought my kids Christmas gifts. So you see the mindset like and that's what we're trying to help change and show different. But again, you, you know, this is what she decided to do. She decided to take her rent money and buy Christmas gifts. You know, this is this is what they've been raised. This is how they've been taught. This is this is what because why I know because you know I've been there. I've, I've been in this environment. I know. So I think it's just something that is we feel like it's a part of our duty as well to not only provide you know clean, safe, and functional housing, but we're trying to educate uh, our people in the hood to be able to uh, do better. That's a lot of a lot of good bars. A lot of good information. Yeah. Um, what are some other ways that you work with your tenants to help them help you? Well, um, I mean, again, one of outside of actually trying to get them to pay according to the way that they get paid, you know, we try to offer different incentives and things like that. You know, uh, one of my investors tell people, if you pay every month on time for 11 months straight on the 12th month, we'll not charge you rent you know, uh, stuff like that. I have another investor that, you know, did gift cards for all the tenants for Christmas, you know, things like that. And, you know, just overall, I've even told a lot of our tenants, we try to teach them that, you know, yes, yes, you're renting, but you can own this. Like, this is not far fetched. You know, this is not, you know, $250,000. This, we, 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 we all in at this property at 20,000 or 25. So, Income tax is coming because you know that's like a big thing. So income tax is coming. You know, here's an opportunity, even if you can't buy it straight up, maybe we can do some seller financing. You know, you put a down payment and now you're you're paying towards owning this property and not just renting forever. So, you know, we try to uh, educate our tenants on things like this as well. And, and, you know, whatever we can do to help. Like I say, one of the biggest things, believe it or not, and we didn't realize it until we got into it, People were just grateful that if something's wrong with the property, anything breaks, that we come out and fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have what we call maintenance Saturdays. So what we try to do is, uh, so we're not constantly running all over the place. If it's not a major uh, issue on Saturdays, you know, all the calls come in and then on Saturdays, we send guys out to fix things. And believe it or not, sometimes it's the smallest thing, but people like the fact that we come and take care of things. And that they wasn't used to that. They was just used to, we got so many people in the beginning that when something broke, they they just assumed like, oh, well, I thought you was gonna say, take off something off the rent, you know? And I'm like, no, we we gonna fix it. You know, we still want you to pay your rent. So it takes time and it's, it's a, you know, it's a journey and a mission, but one day at a time. And I, I think, you know, one by one, we'll get to where we, where we, where we really want to be. I mean, the returns in the hood are so healthy that you right. can afford to kind of, I mean, give gift cards or give right. something. And so, I mean, I think that that's huge. It's also huge to kind of show your, your tenants that you do care. Right. It's also important what I found when you work with somebody who looks like you, you tend to understand their situation. 
Right. So it's like their situation is no different than maybe your grandmother's situation or maybe right. your cousin's situation. Right. And so you're able to kind of meet them halfway where somebody else is going to say, like, I can't understand why you can't afford this. Like, what's wrong with you? Right. And so then it's like it becomes a more mutual relationship where you're helping them elevate their life. It's like even right. with my channel, I was like, OK, I see where, why your credit looks like this. Like, let's take steps to eliminate these accounts. I know exactly what you need to do instead of just like saying your credit sucks. Get out of here. Right. So it's I think it's important that people who have the means come in and own things, mm-hmm. not just give people money, but actually right. come in and own things so that then you create that cycle of group economics. So they're giving you money, which you reinvest back into the community and everybody right. wins. Everybody eats. Otherwise, you're just literally taking all your resources and extracting them and giving them to other communities, which right. effectively makes you take a step down while they take a right. step up. Right. So now we're taking steps up together. Landlord and tenant are just winning together. I wanted to talk to you about rehab. Mm-hmm. What does a, a rehab budget look like on clean, safe, and functional? And what does clean, safe, and functional look like? Clean, safe, and functional, the reason we, we use that phrase is because a lot of people have failed investing in the hood simply because rehab has taken them out. They're putting way too much money into the properties. So after they put all this money in and, it, you know, even with those returns, because why? The, you have to leave space for vacancies. You know, let's just be honest, your turnover in the hood is, uh, your turnover rate is a lot higher in the hood than, than anywhere else. So you have to leave room for that. So uh, again, going back to the rehab, uh, the clean, safe and functional thing was, what do people really want? Yeah. Let's be honest, somebody in the hood, granite countertops doesn't mean anything to them. You know, marble floors or whatever. I mean, even down to, you know, uh, the, the highest grade semi-gloss paint, whatever the case is, these things don't really mean anything to them. Our people in the hood need somewhere to live. This is their thing. And they want to come home to somewhere that's clean. Yeah. And when we say clean, you can paint the walls and that's clean. Yeah. Again, you can, you know, change out carpet or, or put in tile. That's clean. Paint a door. It's clean. Then they're safe. Now, safe was really important because when we first got properties and we saw people literally would go and, you know, maybe shocking themselves on a light switch or something like, you know, exposed wires. And I mean, I've seen people live in this condition. And I remember walking in one lady house and like, wait a minute, you know, those wires are exposed. Like, if your child touches that, you know, like it's it's over. Like you can't. That's not safe. You know. You know. No wall plates over the um, plugs over the receptacles. That's open. That's that's not safe. So we come in and want to make sure things are safe. Nobody's going to get hurt in this property based on a rehab thing. You know, the ceiling's not falling in. You know, things like that. And then functional was another big one. So many tenants when we first got in that, and these were properties that we bought that already had tenants in them in some cases, things were not functional. I mean, it's very simple. When you flip the light switch, you expect the light to come on. Yeah. <laughs> when you turn on the hot water, you expect hot water to come out. You know, you expect water to come out. I mean, it was people that had sinks that I, I remember going in properties and the bathroom sinks didn't produce water. So they would literally go in the kitchen you know, to brush their teeth and do whatever else because the bathroom didn't produce water or whatever the case is. The toilets didn't flush. So they literally would fill up buckets of water in the tub to dump into the toilet when they used the bathroom to push the, the you know, the, the stuff through because the toilet didn't flush. Mm-hmm. So things being functional, having appliances that work, you know, you have a stove. I, I remember the same thing, going into tenants' properties, you know, the stove eyes worked, but the oven didn't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was like, or, or vice versa, like the oven worked, but the stove eyes didn't. It was like, oh yeah, we only bake food. Or like, oh, okay. So, you know, things like that. I That's mean, crazy. it's the smallest things. It's doors with no doorknobs. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the doorknob. And you and I both know, you know, doorknobs are not, you know, expensive at all. So, you know, that, that whole clean, safe and functional became like the motto it became the the foundation that we go into properties. And even me sometimes, don't get me wrong, you know, you get caught up and this is the thing. It's like, this is not your house that you come home to live in. And as much as nice as you really would like to make it, you cannot overdo. Because if you overdo, you won't see the return that you need to, re- to, to see to be able to continue doing. That's the other thing. Some people said to me once before, oh, well, if you, and this was just a crazy statement, if you really want to help the hood, why don't you, rehab these properties and 
and let people stay for free and really give back to the community. And I said, wow, bro, if I did that, I would only do one because <laughs> money to, can, to keep going. Like, how could I keep going to provide it if, I get, if I'm not making money from it? Yeah. So, you know, with that being said, that whole clean, safe and functional thing came about and we really stick to it. There's times, like I said, I, I've dealt with a few investors. Um, one time I wanted to go in and oh, I want to do this and do that. And I, I advise against it. And, you know, against my, uh, you know, against my, my advice, they, they went on and did it. And I mean, a few months later, it was like, man, I should listen to you. I just I spent too much money. Yes, you spent yeah. too much money in this property. Yeah. So. That's that's really key uh, when we're going in, making sure that things are just, like I said, clean, safe, and functional. This is Ken Morris, the CEO and founder of Multibex, the private equity investment firm, and the creator of the brand Lord of My Land, the alpha gentleman entrepreneur. And I am a proud supporter of Tide Capital. You can find me on Instagram at Lord of My Land and at the Lord Ken. This is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire, host of the Millionaire Podcast, and I'm the founder and the director of the Todd Capital Investment Club that now has over 200 members, Todd Acquisitions, which is our crowdfunded real estate firm, and Todd Ventures, our crowdfunded venture capital firm. I am formally inviting you to join one of our many investment clubs. If you are someone who is new to investing, a seasoned investor, or someone who doesn't even know what investing is, we know that you will learn the key to investing and how to build generational wealth through the use of crowdfunding by working with our team. Email info at capitaltod.com to join today. So can you give us a, a ballpark figure on what a, a clean, safe, and functional rehab budget would look like? I mean, each one is different simply because in some cases, we do have to go in and do all new plumbing, you know, all new electric. But outside of that, if you didn't have to do those major things and roof, like, you know, you could probably get a whole rehab done definitely for under five grand. You know, when you're just talking paint, you know, carpet, doors, you know, just some basic, you know, cosmetic type of things. I mean, we've done some as low as $2,000, you know. You can go to Home Depot or wherever and get that paint that was brought back that was boxed. You know, you, the walls don't have to be a particular color. Yeah. And even in with us, what we've decided to do, we've uh, got this theme of uh, gray walls, which it helps us because the color of the walls when the tenant moves out, usually we don't have to repaint because the, the, the walls are so dark already. And it's, but it's a nice gray, but it's it's a dark gray. Yeah, you can't see things. And, you know, we do that. And then by doing it that way, whatever's left over, it just rolls to the next property. Yeah. So we don't have, you know, all this excess uh, materials left. You guys kind of do a similar rehab for every property that you do, meaning that you're going to do the same finishes, same countertop, same carpet, same paint cabinets. Yeah. In fact, you'll go in our properties when people come and visit us and I take them around. It's like, oh, I know those cabinets, you know, I know I know that paint, you know, and it's just it, it's our thing because there's no need of going in and trying to do this so special because it's, it's just not worth it. This is what I tell investors. You're not going to get extra money for adding crown molding. It's just not. So why put crown molding on the, you know, why do it? It's no, it's no point. You're not getting anything extra. You're not, you're not going to be able to charge an extra $50 a month because of it. The rent is the rent. And this is what people can afford to pay. It's not what they're willing to pay. See in other areas, oh wow, this house looks really nice. You know, it has this, it has that. Okay. I can afford more. I'm willing to pay more for to have this luxury in the house that I live in. But in the hood, it doesn't work that way. I can afford $600 a month. I don't care what's in the house. You can have marble floors and granite countertops and a jet jacuzzi tub in the bathroom. It doesn't matter. I can pay $600 a month. So, you know, that's that's how we look at that and that's how we, how we operate that. That is very good information, man. When you guys come across basements, do you finish the basements or you just leave them as unfinished? Well, the good thing about Florida, <laughs> we don't really come across basements here, but uh, I've done them in uh, Georgia before. We were doing some things in the hood back then. A lot of times we, we didn't finish them. Uh, it was just, it was the ex- same thing. Regardless of where you are, if the basement is gonna bring you in more money, if finishing that basement is gonna allow you to say this could be considered a room and I can get an extra whatever a month because this is considered an extra bedroom, then yes. If not, and it won't, nah, I wouldn't waste money finishing it. I didn't know how much it is, but definitely, you know. It's just business. I guess if you can get a return on that dollar, then you'll spend the dollar. If you can't. There you go. There you go. I got I got a guy that uh, came in and I, like I said, he just, I mean, he overdid big time. Yeah. And I was telling him not to do this. And 
oh no, I want to do this and I want to do that. And I mean, he went and planted these, I mean, really beautiful plants, very expensive plants. And within a, a month, I'll be honest, somebody stole the plants from out the yard, like the plants. Yeah, the plants. Like, <laughs> the plants. Yes, the plants. Somebody stole the plants, you know. So, you know, it, it, it was a waste in a sense. So since we're talking about theft, I'm asking you questions because a lot of people have these concerns. Mm-hmm. So whenever people hear about investing in the hood, they say, oh, well, the crime or oh, well, it's not a good community. Mm-hmm. And so what I found is you have to have a solution for every problem if you're going to be a successful investor. Right. So what's your solution for the security issues and the crime issues in certain areas? What I tell people is this, you know, you, you got to be smart. Like we all know it's the hood and we know what happens in the hood. Even me, myself, when I go in the hood, people don't know the difference between me or the guy that's doing the rehab on the house. We all dress the same, you know, even my car, like I'll switch cars sometime out with my cousin. Hey, let me hold your car, you know, look, because you don't want to make yourself a target. You know, I'm not going over there, you know, watches on and all this stuff like I'm blending in you know I'm in a t-shirt with a cap on you know and some shorts you know even down to my cousin who does property management you know you know he's a guy he's from the hood but even like hey no point of going over there at night for what like just wait till tomorrow so you know you got to be smart at the same time you know you're not just trying to you know go in like you you know big dog and you're gonna just do whatever because now nah, you you'll get robbed you know <laughs> so we we're very careful about those things and even down to uh, the rehabs, for instance, um, our properties, stay boarded up until pretty much almost until they're rented out. One of the things that we have our guys do is if you're trying to get off at six o'clock, I'm giving you the authority to stop at 530 to board up the house. Like, I don't want any reasons why you didn't board up every window and every door every day. Second, don't leave equipment in the house. Like, why? Don't leave the paint spread. Don't leave the generator. Listen, take the time at the end of the day load it up in the van, take it back to the storage or, you know, keep it in the van at the house. But we have to take these precautions. We can't just think because, you know, you know, we you just gonna leave this stuff in and it, it ain't gonna come up disappearing. Now, the other thing, and here, here's, here's the thing, and that's why I tell people, even with the hood, even me, you know, being in the hood for years and things like that, people get to know you. And this, you know, from people that are not from the hood probably wouldn't understand like this, but there is still some sense of loyalty or code, code to the streets, code to the game, as they say. This is one of the reasons why people ask me, well, there are good properties, there are cheap properties in this zip code on the east side of town in Jacksonville. Why don't you buy over there? That's not my hood. Mm. I don't, I don't know, I don't know that hood. I don't know over there. I'm in this area in the 32209. This has now become my hood. Now people do know us. They know of us, they know the guys from Miami. This, you know, they buying these houses, they rent these houses. In fact, a lot of the tenants say, uh, we had tenants who, <laughs> you know, didn't pay in one house. They end up leaving, we let them leave, we didn't evict them. And, uh, you know, a few days later, we get in a call from that tenant, like, hey, I seen a house I wanna rent. It was like, is this so-and-so-and-so? Yeah. Oh, this Mr. so Yes. Oh, dog, y'all rent every house around here. Like, I can't call a number and it's not y'all. So <laughs> she was like a little upset because, you know, she was like, well, I know y'all ain't rent to me because y'all just put me out of y'all house two months ago, one of y'all house. But the point is, is people know us. We get to know the neighbors. We talk to the neighbors. We give back to the community. So we even get a, a thing now where you get some of the guys that's on the corners or doing their thing or whatever, or the neighbors, people that's sitting in their yard and they, they'll tell you, oh, baby, I got it. I watch, I watch the house for you, you know. So they're keeping an eye. Now, obviously, they're not, you know, patrols so they can't see everything but they're keeping an eye out i remember uh, once or twice when somebody did try to break in you know you go around they like oh man that's that's so and so and so we, we we seen him over there we ran him off he didn't get in you know he we saw him trying to get in but we ran him off you know and they, and they'll tell you so it's some type of you know loyalty and code to it where they see what we're doing so you do get a, a portion of the community a lot of the community that that is excited that's happy that's grateful so they don't want to see anybody come and tear your things up. I've, I've had a guy in the hood go and say, hey man, I cut the yard next to yours. So I went on to cut your yard too. I know it's empty, the house is empty right now and I know y'all working on it, but you know, I see what y'all are doing and I just wanted to, to help out. I, you know, and you know, obviously we'll throw them a few dollars, but the, the point is, is again, you have people, I'll say that, you know, once you get in there and start doing it, now maybe the first time people looking at you crazy, yeah. who is this guy, you know, but it's like everything. They get to know you. They know who you are. They know who's coming in. They know who's t- 
turning around this area, who's trying to make it better, who's renting out again. Now, in this one particular area, like I say, we we probably have about 30 properties that we either own or have ownership by managing that one little circle. So people get to know us. And again, the neighbors, the guys on the corner, the old man that's sitting, you know, under the porch at night, who's looking out for you, who he's talking to you. And, and again, people get to know you. And like I say, they'll say, man, no, don't mess with that. That's, that's, you know, that's hood estates. That's hood estate stuff. So, you know, it takes time to get that, but it happens. But even before that, like I say, the biggest thing I would say is, be smart like you know don't make yourself a target the least amount of materials you can leave in there leave definitely don't leave any equipment heavy duty equipment or anything like that because you know it's no point you know that's that's one of the things and we always board up the properties like we keep them secure until yeah. it's time to rent it out it's pretty much boarded up cool so i'm getting closer towards the end of the show but i wanted to ask you guys when you finance these properties are you buying in cash and are you leaving the cash in or are you trying to refinance the cash and use that cash other places? Okay, good question. Well, basically, yes, we buy several ways. We buy either cash, our own cash, credit cards, because obviously these properties are not that expensive. Uh, we do a lot of seller financing deals uh, where we do the financing directly through the seller. Yeah. Um, and our, one of our biggest ones is capital partners, just like I did with the hotel, meaning we have other people with their cash come in and partner with us and we use their cash and then also private money investors, which essentially are the same people that are capital partners, but instead of partnering with us, they're just lending us the money with a return. Even though we could pull the money out, we have yet to do that. We're not refinancing out of these properties. We're leaving the cash in there. Again, our goal was strictly cash flow. One part, it feels good to not owe anybody uh, and to have these cash flowing properties. It's also good to know that if we needed to, we could go and either do some type of blanket uh, mortgage and pull some cash out because one of the things it is hard is, in fact, it's probably impossible to get any traditional type of loan or mortgage for properties under mostly 75000 but definitely uh, not not under 50000 So if you you know hear that most of our deals are twenty five to 30000 35000 they're well under fifty. So you're not walking into a, a mortgage company, a bank, and getting a mortgage on these properties. They won't lend them. Uh, but it opens up doors for like private loans, uh, personal loans, like lending club, places like that, uh, of any of these personal lenders, uh, personal loan type of people. And again, credit cards. And um, like I said, just straight up capital partners, you know. Yeah. So this is how we fund our deals, you know. So the last few questions I have are you for you is what's the best advice you would give somebody looking to invest in the hood? The best advice I would say would be do your numbers. And this is everywhere, but do your numbers and make sure you leave room for mistake. And again, the returns are so good that you can, but don't go in with unrealistic expectations. I would say that you, you're going to deal with some issues, but this is a part of the game. This is a part of the business, this is a part of the area. If I'm bringing you a deal at 22, 23, 20% return, which is great. Okay, if you get that month where you got this tenant that didn't pay, you know, we had to evict, we had to come back in and maybe slap some paint on the walls and sample the carpet, and your return just went from 22% to 18 and 19, it's still a good return. Like, you, it's how you go in with it. Don't, don't, you know, oh man, I, you know, I had this month, this person didn't pay and I had to do that. Wait a minute, do the numbers, do the numbers. It's, it's, it's something that I tell people all the time, numbers don't lie. So granted, it seemed like a bad month, which it probably was a bad month, but overall, you still did an 18% return, a seventh, regardless, this money was in the bank giving you zero, and this CD giving you almost zero. Yeah. This money was any other place giving you zero. So now, because you didn't get 22, 23%, because you got 18, or because you didn't get 20%, you got 15. Look at it that way. So that's one of my, my, my biggest things that I tell investors uh, going in. Always stick to the numbers again. Um, and then the other thing is definitely the clean, safe and functional. Uh, don't get caught up into how you want to rehab these properties. Uh, do it according to the clean, safe and functional model. And you should be good overall with passive income. You know, and don't look for these to appreciate, you know, we're not getting super appreciation in the hood, at least not yet, until they come in and try to gentrify. But if you're all in at 25,000 and the property is worth 35, you know, over the next five years, it might be worth 36, 37. Like you're not, it's not gonna, you know, fly the roof. But the good thing is, and I didn't mention, most of these properties, we're still buying them with some equity in them. It, you know, may not be 
15, 20 grand, but at least five, seven to 10 grand in equity still in them. Yeah. So what are some of the ways that you guys like to give back? Obviously, Hood Estates as a whole, uh, we're really giving back a lot as far as uh, educating people on how to invest definitely in the hood you know education and 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 we've been doing a lot of giveaways with this whole savings challenge because we we really promote saving because saving is the foundation of uh building financial wealth uh you know you can't show me any successful person that doesn't save money you know so we're doing that and and that whole saving thing is making sure everybody's not saving to just save because that's how you know we were taught just save your money save your money but nobody said invest it so not if, but when something happens, you 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 up the creek because all the money you saved is gone because the money wasn't working for you. Yeah. So we do the savings challenge and we we do giveaways with that. We match people. Uh, most recently for Christmas, uh, we gave away two pieces of vacant uh, land, two I lots, vacant it. lot. Yeah, here in Jacksonville. So even with that, giving people the understanding that you have to have ownership. You you can't you don't really have a, a, a say so in things unless you own something. Key is owning and a lot of people you might can't afford the twenty five to thirty thousand dollar property right now, but you know, we have these lots that are four to five thousand dollars. We're doing seller financing with them where you can put fifteen hundred down, pay a hundred and twenty to hundred and fifty dollars a month for only thirty six months, not not a not a 10, 20 year type of thing, uh, three years and you're out. And now you have something. Even if you if you can build on it, great. Even if you can't build on it, hold it. You know, back in the days, my my grandparents they own stuff. They own land. They own lots. They own houses. They and it's really gotten away from that. You know, uh, especially in our community. So uh, these are the ways that we give back. We're looking to do some things in 2018 that we're really excited about. So we got a lot in store for you know our Hood Estates family and even the community that we're we're building in. What's your favorite real estate book? Hmm. Good question. You know what? I I, I don't really have a, a. I mean, obviously, Rich Dad Poor Dad is is one of the best ones uh, overall. But currently, right now, I'm doing a book called Set for Life. It's a really good book. It's not it's not necessarily a real estate book, but it's, it just talks about finances and how do you do your handle your finances and like I said, saving, investing, and you know, getting finance getting to financial freedom because that's that's the real goal. You know. We all, you know, I love what I do, so it never feels like I'm working, but we all want to be in that position. And I'm pretty much where I want to be, but obviously you always want to grow, but we all want to be in that position where you don't have to work. Even if it's something you love to do, you can say, you know what, I'm gonna take off this year and, uh, you know, let my passive uh, investments take care of me. So yeah. that's that's the goal, you know? Yeah, yeah. or you can live where you want to live. That's part of the exactly. thing I'm trying to do is I don't want to be tied to one location because that's where my income is. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Last question is, what does wealth mean to you? Wow. Wealth means to me the ability to secure your family. It's not about me. It's not about to me. It's, it's not about wealth. It's not about one individual. Yeah. That's really my goal. One of the, the reasons why I push so hard, because I do want wealth not for me, but for my kids, for my wife, for my family, and to be able to pass something down that my kids or my grandkids don't have to. Like you say, they can live wherever they want. And it starts by me building that foundation for my family, me setting the example, me being the person out there that said, well, if dad did it, if grand grandpa did it, if, you know, eventually if great grandpa did it or whatever, then I have to do it. And it's one of the reasons why I go so hard because I had that in front of me with my father. Yeah, my father was um, actually had one of the first fully black-owned architecture firms in Miami uh, when he started. Um, you know, he passed away in '09, but uh, my grandfather, um, same thing, was a wonderful guy. Played in the um, the Negro League uh, baseball, and you know, so these things that they positioned in front of me and, and showed me, they were wealthy, maybe not financially, but they were wealthy in their own way and it now it instills something in me to keep it going for my family so uh wealth was definitely passed down uh again maybe not in the form of financial cash that most people feel it is but in the mindset you know wealth starts in the mind that's where it starts and and everything else it'll manifest after that so definitely yeah. very cool very cool thank you for being on the show um one last question. Is there anything that you didn't share that you think that people need to hear? Um, no, I think, I mean, just overall, um, I think we got to definitely start to come together and work as a team. So many times and 
different instances that people we're not coming together and because we can get a lot further if we come together if we we pool our resources and work together and i know a lot of people have been burnt and and scammed as they say but i tell people all the time do your do your research do your due diligence you know some people are going to check out some are not but those that do if we can come together i i, t- I talk about this with the savings challenge i say listen we're doing a thousand dollars in 12 weeks we have close to 40,000 followers on our page. If only a thousand of those 40,000 did the savings challenge, every 12 weeks we would have a million dollars to invest. That's $4 million a year. Do you know what kind of returns that we talking, even, you know, 10% return, uh, 8% return. We ain't talking the 15, 20% return. We're talking, we're talking, you know, single digit returns. But now what could we do? And we constantly do that. Now we can build, now that money can circulate amongst each other, that money can, we can help build our own this and our own that. And 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 it's nothing wrong with doing outside things, but until we decide to come together and work as a team, that's where, to me, really make a difference, Absolutely. us and our community. So that's what, if I had to say anything, I would say, you know, let's try to try to build, uh, even with us on Hood Estates, a lot of people say, man, y'all give away a lot of free information. And yes, I mean, certain things we have to charge because it's the business that, that, that has to operate, but you know, for a lot of the basic stuff, listen, I don't mind telling somebody how I did something. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you can do the same. If I can guide you and tell you, then, you know, that's that's the thing. So we do that with uh, real estate. We do that, talk about trucking, because we also do uh, trucking investments and stuff like that and, and vending machines we've done. So all these different things I don't mind sharing because if, here we go again, if me, you, and everybody around us can all elevate together, you know, there's so much more we could do and there's so many more people we can help elevate with us. That is the entire premise of the Thai Capital Organization. Um, mm-hmm. Where can people find out more about you? Well, um, right now we're on Instagram, at Hood Estates, uh, Facebook, at Hood Estates One, also Snapchat at Hood Estates One. Um, you can get us, uh, one of our emails is hoodestates at gmail.com and uh, we have hoodestates.com. We're putting together a membership site. Definitely, we're big on Instagram. We answer our DMs uh, and you know, from there, we can go from there. We can set up a consultation call or whatever because we've talked to a lot of people because again, we're just trying to help. But definitely reach out to us. We're ready to help and do whatever we can to move forward our community. Very cool, very cool. So this is Charles Oglesby, also named Todd Millionaire. This is episode number 50. I think you guys took a lot of value out of this episode. I know I did. Um, I think there's a true value investing in the hood. And here we learn how to do it the right way. We learn how to buy the property. We learn how to rehab the property and we learn how to manage the property. So if you guys don't take anything from this, you, you fell asleep, but there is true value. The blueprint's been laid and there's a ton of money and opportunity made in the hood. You just have to take action. It's up to you to do the work. Get out there. You're going to make mistakes. But if you push through those mistakes after that property one, two, three, you're going to just have it automatic. So if you guys want to join any of our clubs, you can email us at info at capitaltod.com. The website is capitaltod.com. Of course, we're on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. And I'm looking forward to working with you. Again, this is Charles Ogilvy, a.k.a. Top Millionaire, signing off. <laughs>